This is Pastor Stuart McClellan from the Altoona Bible Church greeting you. The warm-hearted church with a heartwarming message, the family church. Sing with us, pray with us, and follow the message in God's Word. The choir will open our service by singing, Jesus, Make Me Yours.
Now Penny Harris, Cheryl Hallman, and Carol Johnson will come and sing People Need the Lord.
we now have Chiz Ryder playing on the trumpet, Trumpet of Jesus. we 
Here now is Scott Delosier singing Anchor Holes. I have journeyed Through the long dark night Out on the open sea By faith alone Sight unknown, and yet his eyes are watching me. The anchor holds, though the ship is battered. The Holes, though the sails are torn, I have fallen on my knees as I face the raging seas. The anchor holds. In spite of the storm I've had visions And I've had dreams And I've even held them in my hands I never knew They would slip right through Like they were only Grains of sand The anchor holds Though the sheep is The anchor holds Though the sails are torn I have fallen on my knees As I face the raging sea in spite of the storm Now I have been young But I'm older now And there has been eyes to see
that's when God proves His love to me. The anchor holds. Though the ship is battered, the anchor holds. Though the sails are torn, Now we have Randy Bickle coming to play in the piano, standing on the promises. I want to thank all our musicians and singers for providing us with such beautiful and Christ-centered music. Our sermon topic this evening is the furtherance of the gospel. Philippians chapter 1 verses 12 through verse 18. 
But I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confidence by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not, ser- not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice and will rejoice. There are some individuals who believe and teach that the Apostle Paul was disobedient to God's will by going to Jerusalem in Acts chapter 21. As a result of his disobedience and traveling to Jerusalem, ultimately he was imprisoned in Rome. Because he was not able to participate in any more missionary journeys, they conclude that the gospel was hindered. They reason there could be many more missionary trips, maybe even going to Spain. All became lost opportunities because in their minds, Paul disobeying God's will. I'm not going to list all their reasons for teaching Paul was out of God's will, but I believe that the gospel was not hindered. They believe that the gospel was hindered. And the question that we want to look at this evening, was the gospel of God's grace hindered, held up, because of Paul's first Roman imprisonment? And I truly believe that the gospel was not hindered, but there was actually the furtherance, the advancement of the gospel. Paul's adverse circumstances, his first Roman imprisonment, absolutely advanced the gospel instead of hindering it. Acts chapter number 19, verse 21. After these things were ended, Paul purposed the Spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, that's Greece, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I've been there, I must also see Rome. Let's just get a background to all this, and we're going to study Philippians chapter 1. The book of Romans was one of the six epistles written from Acts 13 to 28. The six epistles besides Romans are First and Second Corinthians, First and Second Thessalonians, and, and obviously the book of Romans. We know, and Galatians, we know that the canonical order, the biblical order in the Bible, that the book of Romans is first. In the chronological order of these six epistles, Romans was the last epistle God wrote through Paul and of those series of six. When God, through the Apostle Paul, wrote the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul had never traveled or ministered at the city of Rome. Romans chapter 1. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Listen to verse 10. Making request, if by any means, now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Romans 15.32 That I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. So Paul's prayer was to come to Rome. He had never been there. But his prayer was to come there by the will of God. And when Paul did come to the city of Rome, he did not arrive there as some conquering hero, but he arrived there as a prisoner 
of Rome. And let's just review some of the events leading up to the Apostle Paul's first Roman imprisonment. Because there's a later Roman imprisonment, of course, found in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul meets with the elders of the church at Ephesus at the city of Miletus, and you're talking about modern-day Turkey. Here is part of that message that he delivered to the Ephesian elders. Verse 22 and verse 23. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Verse 24. But none of these things move me. The bonds and what are the, none of these things? The bonds and the afflictions did not move me, neither do I count my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I received the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. So he's telling the Ephesian elders, He's going bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing all the things that are going to be happening to him, but the Holy Spirit witness in every city saying, bonds and afflictions, they're they're waiting, they're going to bide me, but these things don't move me. I just want to finish my course with joy. And of course, we know he did when you read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 down through verse number 7. Acts chapter 21, verse number 10. As we tarried there many days... So the Apostle Paul moves and and travels from the city of Miletus. He's getting closer to Jerusalem. There came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus, verse 11. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle. And he bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of the, that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. His friends are, are, are telling him not to go. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound also, but to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14, And when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying, The will of the Lord be done. So these things were not moving Paul. Even though there were even some of his friends were saying, don't go, don't go. And you had the prophecy of Agabus with that girdle wrapped around his hands and saying the fact that this is, what, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen to the person who owns this. His hands and feet are going to be bound and they're going to be handed over from the Jews over to the Gentiles. The apostle Paul was at the Jewish temple as it was still standing and had not been destroyed by Titus. Titus' destruction of the Jewish temple in Jerusalem does not occur, does not take place in 70 AD, which would be a few years away. The unbelieving Jews, seeing Paul with Trophimus a Gentile, supposed that Paul would take him into the temple, into the court of the Jews, which would have violated the law of the temple. And the Apostle Paul was not guilty of doing this. What did they do? They proceeded to drag him out of the temple. They shut the temple doors. Why they shut the temple doors? They did not want the temple to be defiled with their actions. And they began beating him. And they would have killed him. Think about this for a moment. These are a bunch of unbelieving Jews who are a bunch of hypocrites. Why? Because one of their Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not kill. The Roman centurion hearing an uproar intercedes and saves the life of Baal. 
Paul was arrested in Jerusalem. Then later there were more than 40 Jewish assassins had plotted out an assassination plan, a plot, to kill the Apostle Paul. And you might be thinking, why so many? Because they knew that Paul now was being protected by the Roman soldiers. They understood the need for more than just a few, because these Roman soldiers would have been protecting Paul, so they knew they needed a a group. They had more than 40. And the plot was foiled as the Apostle Paul's nephew hears of the plot and tells Paul and then the Roman centurion. The Roman centurion, under the watch of the Roman soldiers and horsemen, escort Paul to Caesarea. And Paul spends two years in Caesarea. Acts chapter 24, verse 27. But after two years, Porus Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. Verse uh, 32 of the 26th chapter of Acts. Then said Agrippa to Festus, This man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed to Caesar. He appealed to Caesar, to Caesar they're, they're going to send him. So the Apostle Paul was sent to Rome. The book of Acts abruptly ends with Paul arrested in his own hired house. So up to that point, those six epistles that we shared with you earlier Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and Galatians, what was written. Then Paul, so Paul had spent two years in Caesarea, and now as the book of Acts ends, he's going to spend two more years, so the last four years. So the book of Acts, from Acts 13 to 28, record three of three Paul's missionary journeys. The last seven chapters of the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 21 over to 28, is not a missionary journey, but rather Paul going to Jerusalem, arrested there, taken to Caesarea because of the plot, there for two years, and then sent to Rome. And of course, then we know in Acts 27, there's a shipwreck. He comes to the island of Malta. Today, if you look at the country of Malta, there's a bay called St. Paul's Bay, because they believe that's the area that Paul and the others washed ashore. Then they're going to take the trip so far, and then they're going to walk the rest of the way to the city of Rome. So the last seven chapters is not a missionary journey, but rather Paul going to Jerusalem, Caesarea, Rome. And that's why there are those, and like I said, I want to get in, study all the details, but there are those who believe that Paul was out of God's will because he could have, he could have done more missionary journeys. What I want to share with you and believe that the, the, the gospel went forward you absolutely had the furtherance of the gospel, the advancement, the furtherance of the gospel, even though there are these difficulties and adverse circumstances, and sometimes through adverse circumstances, there is a greater good that comes. And you think of the great hymn, He giveth me more grace. The first stanza, He giveth more grace as our burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength as our labors increase. To added affliction, He addeth mercy. To multiply trials, he multiplied peace. The third stanza, his love has no limits, his grace has no measure, his power no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Philippians 1.12 said, But I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. God, through Paul, wanted the Philippians to know the things. His present circumstances has not hindered the gospel. 
and the usage of the word rather indicates that the Philippians, through his imprisonment, had somehow thought that this hindered the gospel. The the word furtherance is a Greek military term. It is made up of two words, before and to cut, to strike. It literally means to cut forward. The Greek word refers to an explorer or an advanced team hacking a path through a dense forest and the underbrush for the marching army to follow. The progress goes forward through obstacles and dangers and distractions. The idea of the word blazing a trail before a marching army. The Greek word was used of an army of pioneer woodcutters preceding the regular army, cutting a road through an otherwise impassable forest, thus making it possible that for the pioneer advancement of the regulars in the regions that they could not have marched. Think of this illustration. Think of the hiking trails in our state parks, like at Canoe Creek. Someone or a team of individuals cut down trees, developed hiking paths, and those hiking paths make it possible for advancement and some hiking and enjoying nature. Without it, you couldn't do it, because there would be all these obstacles. So the, that's the word furtherance. So it is with Paul's first Roman imprisonment. His suffering, his imprisonment, removed obstacles allowing the gospel to be presented in areas that otherwise would have been impassable. Paul's bonds, his chains, were a blazing trail for the presentation of the gospel, the grace of God, to the Roman soldiers and others. We'll make mention of that in a few moments. Instead of hindering and restricting his ministry... Paul's difficult circumstances actually had done the exact opposite. And when you read in Acts chapter 28, all that came unto Paul, Rome allowed, Rome allowed anyone to come to Paul to speak to him. They, they allowed it. As we mentioned, and go back to the book of Philemon, verse number 10, there's only one chapter. You'll see that during that time, the apostle Paul led Philemon to the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9 and 10. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. The Apostle Paul's adverse circumstances, the first Roman imprisonment, being under house arrest, chained to a Roman soldier, actually advanced the gospel. And there are so many illustrations you could think of. John Bunyan preaching was so powerful and popular and so unacceptable to the leaders in the 17th century Church of England that he was jailed in order to silence him. John Bunyan could have been freed He could have freed himself by promising not to preach, but he refused. He told local magistrates that he would rather remain in prison until moss grew on his eyelids and failed to do what God had commanded. Refusing to be silent, he began to preach in the jail courtyard. He not only had a large audience of prisoners, but also hundreds of citizens of England, of Bedford, England, and the surrounding area would come to the prison to stand outside to hear him expound the scriptures. 
He was silenced verbally then by being placed deeper into the jail and forbidden to preach at all. Yet in that silence, he spoke loudest of all, because it was during that time he wrote the Pilgrim's Progress, the great Christian uh, classic that has ministered the gospel to ten thousands of people throughout the world. Think of a, a young pitcher, young pitchers, who enter the major leagues that have blazing fastballs, and they didn't think they need to work on their control, their changeup, or their curve. Consequently, they failed to make the grade. They were sent to the minors. They were disappointed. But that yet they worked on these pitchers in order to become better, and then in time they became superstars. Winston Salem, or Winston Churchill, failed twice to win an elected office during the early 1920s. He had little political influence all through the 1930s, but he kept developing his talents. In 1940, he became the Prime Minister of England, and today he's acclaimed as a hero. Philippians, that's, that's the furtherance. Even amidst the circumstances, the circumstance of life, we allow God to work through us. There's great glory, and there is a great advancement of the gospel. Philippians chapter 1, verse 13, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all other places. Think about Ephesians 6, 19 and 20. And for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which, for which the gospel I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Colossians chapter 4, Paul asked for prayer and it's for me that he may have that open door of utterance. That, that's not, as we sh- have shared, that, that's not an open door to be delivered. That's more opportunity to preach the gospel. Where is he at? He's in a Roman imprisonment, house arrest. The bonds that chained was approximately 18 inches long. And you had the wrist of the prisoner was bound to the wrist of the soldier who was his guard so that escape was impossible. My bonds in Christ. Paul was imprisoned. He was not a criminal. He didn't do anything wrong. It was the preaching of the gospel. And what he was imprisoned, not because he was a criminal, but because he was in Christ, he was preaching the gospel. He never considered himself a prisoner of Rome but always a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. Today, ambassadors are generally granted diplomatic immunity from arrest and imprisonment. Men will tolerate almost anything better than they will tolerate the gospel. No other subject stirs such emotion, arouses such hostility, suspicion, provokes such persecution. So Christ's representative was an ambassador in bonds in change. Manifest is to make it visible. The palace. This word appears eight times. It's the only time in the New Testament. It's the only time that it's used in Paul's epistles. And this guard was originally composed of some 10,000 hand-picked soldiers. It had been established by Caesar Augustus, who was the emperor at the time of the birth of Christ. The apostle Paul had Roman soldiers chained to him for the length of their duty for 24 hours a day for two full years so imagine a soldier serving on duty for four hours what do you think the apostle paul would have spoken to this soldier about then the soldier would end their four hours their hours of duty a new soldier would come 
the soldier going off duty would go back to the palace. Can you imagine that soldier telling other soldiers about the Apostle Paul? I just got off duty. I'm, I'm guarding this person who's done nothing wrong, but he's in prison, and all he can speak upon is this gospel and this one called Jesus. Not only in the palace, but other places. It went, it went forward. Then the apostle, then when the new soldier came, what do you think Paul spoke upon? The apostle Paul was imprisoned by man to quiet him. But God used this to spread the gospel. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. But it's for you, dealing with Joseph and dealing with his brothers. And you know the, the story and what happened to Joseph, how they sold him into slavery and told, told the father, Jacob, that he had been killed. But later on, he, he's there in Egypt to help the family. But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 14. And many of the brethren of the Lord are waxing confidence by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's imprisonment did not strike fear in the heart of the Philippians, but his boldness in the speaking the word was contagious and caused others to become bold. Bold, present tense, to have courage, to be bold. Not only was the gospel the grace of God making pioneer advancement, but also through believing brethren who were now emboldened through Paul and his imprisonment. Our faith or how we respond to adverse circumstances like COVID-19 pandemic can have a direct effect on others. Go back and read Acts chapter 28, verse 12. Here again, we had told you about Paul going toward Rome. That's Acts 27, shipwreck. They go. They continue after Malta. They go around the toe of, his, of Italy. They're going to go so far and they're going to walk. So Paul is traveling to Rome following a shipwreck on the island of Malta. The Roman believers traveled 30 and 40 miles away to see him. Now, Paul had never been here before. But yet, when you read Acts 28, 12, Paul sees them. And he takes courage. And again, when he is coming and he prayed, and and when he wrote, God wrote through Paul the book of Romans, he wants to come by the will and the joy of God. And he is not coming as a returning, conquering hero. He's coming as a prisoner of Rome. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us the good tidings of your faith and charity that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. The apostle Paul was at Corinth, Acts 18. So God, through Paul, is writing 1 Thessalonians and wondering how the believers at Thessalonica were doing. I believe literally... As he is writing this epistle, he receives the tremendous report, the good news, the gospel. Remember, the word gospel means good news. It's good news that he received from Timothy. It's not a saving gospel, but it was good news concerning the Thessalonian believers. Look at a result of this good news concerning the good news about the Thessalonian believers and its effect on the Apostle Paul. 1 Thessalonians 3, 7. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you all in our affliction and distresses by your faith. Did you hear those words? So here is 
Paul, and, and remember what Paul went through in the city of Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, people mocked him, called him a babbler. Then, then he goes to Corinth, Acts 18. He's concerned about the Thessalonian believers. Timothy comes back with this wonderful good news. Therefore, because of that, brethren, we were comforted over you all in our affliction and distresses by your faith. So as Paul was going through adverse circumstances, what the Thessalonians and how they were dealing with their tribulations encouraged Paul. So so your faith or lack of faith can have a cause and effect relationship to others around you. That's what it's saying here. And that's what Paul is writing this. And again, the, the issue is with the, with the Philippian believers. He is telling them that the things that have happened have, have furthered the gospel. Philippians chapter 1, verse 15, down through verse 18. So some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife. Some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, and I will rejoice. The Apostle Paul rejoiced in the preaching of the gospel of the grace of God. And again, just think upon this. Being bound, chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day for two full years. During that time, Paul led, as we said, Onesimus to the saving knowledge of Christ. Who also was there? The, the, the Roman soldier was right there. He heard the plan of salvation. He heard the gospel. I said, you can think upon one guard leading, going back to the palace and talking to the other guards. And all this man, he did nothing wrong, but all he could do is talk upon the Lord and forgive us his sins and salvation. And maybe that soldier didn't believe, but because he was witnessing indirectly to, and telling these other soldiers about Paul, they then were on duty, or maybe even requested duty to watch him. And they heard the plan of salvation and were saved. As I said before, I think only eternity is going to show the impact that this Roman imprisonment truly, truly had. So... Absolutely, the advancement of the gospel did not hinder the gospel. And that these adverse circumstances, the gospel went forward. And also remember, God through Paul wrote four epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, while, while he was enduring his first Roman imprisonment. So he had four epistles being written, you had Onesimus and others being saved, and you had a Roman soldier there, ten of audience, because they were chained to the Apostle Paul for the length of their duty there and the hours they spent there. And just think upon these other verses of Scripture, Philippians chapter 4, verse 21 and 22, at the end of the book. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. And all the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. Many individuals in the 21st century do not understand the meaning of the word saint. 
Normally, many would associate the word in light of the Roman Catholic Church, which recognizes individuals who have devotion to Christ, performed a couple of miracles, and then canonized them, and thus making them saints. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 says, And Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. The word saint means set apart one. This is not referring to some church recognizing or religious order recognizing people and only calling a select few saints. The word is a reference to all believers in Christ. Read Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians 1. But just think of those words. Think, think of that word in verse number 22. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. Of Caesar's household is not a reference to family. Of Caesar's household is an expression used in ancient Greco-Roman literature to refer both to the highest officials in the Roman government to the lowest servants in the emperor's employment. So now the household of Caesar would not have been just his family. The household of Caesar would be a word to indicate all those who were directly somehow connected with the emperor. And if you study history, you'll find it's a very interesting group. You can do reading on this and study this out. It's a prince. It's a higher ups in his personal court. Judges includes cooks and food preparers and tasters who tasted the food to make sure he wasn't poisoned. Musicians, custodians, builders, people attended to the stables. It includes the soldiers those who led them. It included people who managed his financial affairs. All these people who were in any sense a part of the direct system, they would have been defined by the definition today, government workers, that is a large group of people. You say, well, so what's the point? Don't, don't you understand? And realize the impact. Verse 21 again, Salute every saint in Christ Jesus, the brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are Caesar's household. That, that's the effect. The gospel went forward. And just think upon this. I'm not going to take the time, but go back and read Romans chapter 16. And, and, and again, there's a list of all these people. And that's the fellowship of the, of the body of Christ. But all these people, we don't, know, we don't know what some of these people did. Maybe some of these people are connected to that Caesar's household. The great theologian of old, J.P. Lightfoot, he was a New Testament scholar. He has a marvelous treatment of this whole idea that the Christians in Caesar's household. And, and the reality is, remember, God through Paul wrote the book of Romans, and, the, and we saw that these Romans came 30, 40 miles away. And to us, that may not seem like a big deal. You get in the car, you're going to be there in, what, 30, 35, 40 minutes. Well, they didn't have cars back then. They, they, they would have walked it. That was their, that was their devotion. And, and they go, and when Paul sees them, Acts 28, 12, they take, they take courage. So you go back and read in Romans chapter 16 concerning these people. So God through Paul wrote Romans before he ever traveled and there were, there were believers there. And then when he writes the Philippians who were thinking that the gospel is being hindered, no, it, it's a furtherance. 
it's the, it's these this group of army who are going out and they're cutting down the forest so the army can come behind and make advancement. And then he talks about of the household of Caesar. And you look at some of those names in Romans 16, Stachys, Trignia, Trigphosa. We don't know what they did. They were beloved of the Lord. They, they served. Maybe they were, as I said, part of the Caesar's household. But, but the gospel was going forward. The gospel was changing lives. That's the power of the gospel. And we understand and realize the significance of the gospel. And the only way of salvation. So the gospel was making inroads. So yeah, it's the book of Acts from Acts 13 to 28. Three missionary journeys. And you can see, if you look at a map, you can see the, the gospel going west. And then Paul endures two Roman imprisonments. The first one, and then after the first one, he's freed. And what does he do? He doesn't give up in life. He doesn't say to God, this is too much. What does he do? We, we know by reading the book of Titus, he goes to the island of Crete. Still there today, folks. And he's going to encourage Titus, and he's going to tell Titus to ordain elders in the churches. So there are churches on Crete. Now that's the power of the gospel. So when we talk about the furtherance of the gospel and, and anyone who thinks that the gospel maybe was hindered because of Paul's Roman imprisonment or they believe, so they said, I didn't get to all the details, but they believe and teach that he was out of God's will and maybe if he wouldn't have gone to Jerusalem, that he would have gone some other place and there would have been a fourth or fifth missionary journey and maybe he would have gone even to Spain. Well, what we do know is Paul was freed. And we do know that the gospel was spreading. The gospel was impacting and changing people's lives. And that's the important part. The gospel was going forward. And the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish its foolishness, but to us which are saved it is the power of God. Go back and read in Acts chapter 17 when Paul goes up to and goes to the city of Athens and is preaching Jesus and the resurrection. They mock him. They call him a, a babbler. He's taken the Mars Hills. He's taken to the Areopagus. And, and he preaches that wonderful message. Read in Acts 17. And I've, I've shared this before, but if you would see a picture, you ever go to Mars Hills, you can see a picture through the internet on this. At the base of Mars Hills, there's a plaque in the Greek language. And it's not, it's, 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 it's not Socrates or one of the other Plato or other Greek philosophers. What is it? It's, it's Paul's message in Acts 17. I think that, that's marvelous. That's amazing. And they took him up there to, to test to see what he was talking about. Jesus resurrected. Read, read the portion of Scripture. Some even did would mock. Paul leaves. Yet one of the judges, one of the Areopagite judges, what? He believes. He, he trusts the Lord Jesus Christ. He was saved. So, so it's the power of the gospel. Romans, you know, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For therein, the gospel, 
is a, is a righteous of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And it was that message that was changing indeed lives, empowering people. And so these people of Philippi, now when they were going to receive this epistle, would understand, under, understand that the gospel was going forward. Under, understand that Paul was just ecstatic. He was so happy. He rejoiced in the preaching of the gospel because he knew that the gospel gave hope because the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? The, the only way of salvation, the only way, is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's not through religious activities. It's not through trying to keep the law. It's by faith alone. You are listening this evening, wherever you may be listening. Here's the message. Here's God's plan of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shall be saved. The gospel then empowers you. It will change your life. Won't you believe on him right now, right where you're at, before it's eternally too late? We understand the frailty of human life, the truth of God's word, that we're walking around in this temporal, mortal body which is subject to death. And we see that. And we're more aware of it because of the COVID-19. But would you trust the Lord Jesus Christ right now, right where you're at before it's eternally too late, and God will save you. If you pray that prayer, and that you believe the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he died for you, and that's by simple faith, you believe him and trust him, God will save you. Christian friend, the furtherance of the gospel. Maybe we go through adverse circumstances, but the gospel goes forward, and that's what our prayer should be. Our prayer now is we pray for our nation, pray for healing, pray for those who are sick, that the gospel will continue to go forward, and people would get saved. You've been listening to the Altoona Bible Church. We trust you've received a real spiritual blessing from this service. It is our prayerful desire that you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So until we meet again by radio, this is Pastor Stuart McClellan from the Altoona Bible Church wishing you God's best for now and for all eternity.